0: Welcome everybody, and happy Friday to you! Happy Memorial Day weekend! You're listening to Fantasy Baseball Talk here on FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host Al Melchior. Really psyched about our guest today. Talked a little bit on yesterday's show. I'm so excited! Uh, but uh, we're going to have the FanRag Fantasy Baseball debut of Alan Jager from Jager Sports. So uh, if you are familiar with uh, Alan and the work that he does. You'll know why I'm excited, and if you don't, it's definitely going to be a treat, so stick around, and he's going to be on in the very next segment, so uh, we won't have to wait too long. So going to be a good show with a little bit of news, of course, and uh, talk about, as we always do, the previous days and nights, standout performances, and try to put them in a little bit of context. But yeah, let's uh, get started with the news right away, and uh, in terms of... Uh, some lineup news uh, from today's games. Christian Yelich is back. He has been out since Tuesday with the hip issue, so he is back in the Marlins lineup. And also, a much longer awaited return set of returns. Actually, Josh Donaldson, who's been dealing with his uh, calf injury, and Troy Tulowitzki, who's been on the DL with a hamstring injury, they're both going to be back today for the Blue Jays. Finally activated. Both were really anticipated close to two weeks ago, so it's been a long wait. For owners, uh, I've certainly been waiting for Donaldson to come back. Uh, so for your daily lineup leagues, get him in there today. And assuming there's no more uh, setbacks or uh, you know any any bad developments with either Tulo or Donaldson, you can get him into your Week 9 lineups. So good news there. Uh, not good news, although not really unexpected news for Ryan Braun. He is on the DL as he aggravated his calf injury. Uh, So uh, Brian Braun uh, out of action. Uh, Also a report that Christian Arroyo might be uh, sent back to the minors because the Giants have several players that are going to be coming off the DL. They'll need to make some moves to clear some space. And Arroyo has been struggling lately. So if you've been relying on Arroyo, well, you've probably been looking around for a replacement anyway of late. But uh, that is, uh, according to the report, on the table. So, uh, and actually this coming across for me right now, literally just, Seconds ago, Austin Jackson has been activated by the uh, Indians. Uh, but the, the big news going into week eight, I'm kind of bearing the lead here. But again, this one has been anticipated for, for a while now. David Price is going to be activated before the start of Monday's game. So he lines up for a two-start week next week. Uh, David Price, at least initially, he'll probably be on some sort of pitch count. But in a two-start week week, there's, there's not, you know, there's some risk, certainly, with Price first starts of the year coming off the DL with the elbow injury. But, uh, you know, it, you certainly are minimizing that risk with uh, Price starting with a two-start week. Uh, Jock Peterson went on the seven-day concussion DL. So uh, those are the top stories. We've got a few others to catch up uh, a little bit later on. But when we come back, we will have Alan Jager. So, please stick around. You won't regret it. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Bandrag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And uh, as I said before the break, it even started previewing this on yesterday's show. Uh, we now have with us Alan Jager from Jager Sports. Alan, welcome to the show. Al, it's a pleasure to be on, buddy. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Yourself? Having a good Friday? I'm having a good Friday. I just had a great breakfast. I
1: introduced a, a new friend to this uh, pataya smoothie that I make everybody get out here in Santa Monica. <laughs>
0: Well, you know, time permitting, maybe you can you can share that with us. Uh, That that sounds pretty cool. Uh, Well, Alan, uh, you know, we've got some I think some some interesting stuff to talk about, and I've been kind of you know talking about these issues with mid-career players throughout the season because there've been just so many interesting and and I think unexpected storylines. Eric Thames talked about Jason Vargas a lot because he just uh, for the most part keeps going out there and getting it done. Ryan Zimmerman's been a, a story all season long. Several others we talked about Mike Leake uh, extensively on yesterday's show. And what these players all you know have in common is that they're they're at an age where you know we as fantasy owners we kind of think we know who they are, and yet they're showing us something different. And yet we're at that awkward stage of the season where you could say, well, it's a little more than a quarter of a season. Maybe it's a small sample. Maybe this is something that goes away. Or or maybe even though this is a player that is beyond what we would expect to be a growth phase of their career. um, They, you know, they, maybe they're, they're surprising us and they're, they're blooming late. So I want to get into that, but actually I went on far too long with that because before we even dig into that topic um, for people who may not be familiar with what you do, uh, can you share with us a little bit about your, your work at Jager sports?
1: Yeah. In a nutshell, um, you know, I started, Jager Sports, uh, 1990, which feels like um, it's hard to it's hard to believe, 27 years ago. But you know, I started on the premise really of of, of two major principles. One was the mental game. Um, you know, I think that was my first big push. I was a pitching coach at a junior college, so I was you know I was doing the quote unquote pitching thing as well, and the and the, the physical p- component, if you will. But I just feel like I had um, this experience that I went through that really inspired me to write a book and just really get heavy into the mental game, heavy into meditation, uh, yoga also around that time. Uh, and then as a pitching coach, you know, um, I started realizing that what I thought was very normal and and intuitive, which is basically throwing distance or what we call long toss, um, I found out that um, they're started becoming throwing programs listen to that word program, right? <laughs> throwing programs out there that were putting massive restrictions on, on players. And I think really I noticed it most uh, with kids going into professional baseball, not that it wasn't happening in college or high school. Um, and so I, I guess my re- reaction to that seeing kids getting hurt really careers being ended, in my opinion, completely unnecessarily, uh, just drove me hard to try to educate anybody that was willing to listen. I started writing for Collegiate Baseball, uh, came out with a video in 2000 about this. And, you know, I guess in a nutshell, that became uh, kind of a parallel path in my career where I was doing mental game stuff, but also really really inspired to help educate the community on what it really means to train an arm and what long toss is about, which to me is extremely natural and intuitive to the body and the arm and the mind. And so uh, putting that all together, um, you know, that's sort of where it's come to is is it's sort of a hybrid of mind, body, spirit, really, if you will. And um, so it's kind of fun that I uh, I get to play in, in, a, in a whole bunch of different worlds.
0: Yeah, well, it sounds very, very cool. And, of course, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have you on because knowing the, that work that you do and the insight that you have from your own experience, uh, you know, when I started, you know, over the course of many weeks and, you know, even on the show, kind of thinking out loud about certain players, I thought, well, I, I really have to reach out to Alan because, like I said, Jason Vargas, pretty much every start he makes, he winds up being a topic on the show because he keeps surprising us. Uh, his teammate, teammate Nathan Carnes, all of a sudden, this guy's been a, a fly ball pitcher his whole career now he's a ground ball pitcher charlie morton at a, a late stage of his career uh developing uh, a higher average velocity and, and as i mentioned before mike leek uh limiting the amount of hard contact that he's allowed you know each at the stage of his career that i think we as fantasy owners would be very quick to dismiss so as i've been trying to puzzle this out i thought i have to reach out to you so the the big question now mm-hmm. that i've got for you is how difficult is it exactly for a player Who's really past the growth years in the middle of his career? How difficult is it for him to even attempt to take on these sorts of changes in terms of throwing harder, using a different pitch, throwing a pitch you know with a different release point, which is what's happened with Vargas? Uh, how how difficult is that even to attempt, much less to make it stick?
1: You know, I think it's really easy. I know it's going to sound counterintuitive because maybe it yeah. doesn't seem like it happens as often, but I actually think it's easy. I, I think the the problem is is that Athletes in any sport, you know, you've been training for a certain period of time, a long time. You, you, you have certain formative years, and you're, you're, you you're have a comfort zone with how you train. So I, I think that for the most part, it takes a lot to have a player make an adjustment. I think when they're ready to make an adjustment, um, you know, there are certain players, does Mike Trout need an adjustment? No, probably not. I mean, are the things that he could do that maybe could even enhance him? I I think maybe, but for sure, or I think actually probably. But he's he's rolling along, obviously, and he's doing just fine. But I think that um, the players you named, the irony of them all, I I would almost guarantee you that the well, the common thread, not the irony, I'd say, is this: they got to a point, they've done it a certain way for a long time. Whether it was because they their arm broke down. Or they were hitting 250 for four straight years, or whatever. Whatever happened to them in their career? In the case of Eric Thames, you know, he was off in Korea playing for a while. Um, you know, you get to a point. It's sort of like that that old concept, you know, that people say you need to kind of you, know, you need you need to hit the the bottom ground before you're you're ready to kind of move up. And I think for a lot of these players, they probably all have a similarity in common. They they've probably hit quote-unquote, rock bottom, and now they're all ears, so to speak. And so that's why I actually say the adjustment is really not complicated. I think the adjustments that are waiting, for instance, if you just took a player and said, hey, I want you to start doing some breathing exercises, some visualization, some meditation, just 15 minutes a day for a week straight, I I contend that that could have a transformative effect on that player's career forever. (laughs) You know, maybe, maybe that's a little wishful thinking, but I actually believe that um, certain things that if you do to, with players, uh, some guys it's just maybe they've never long-tossed before, they've never done band work, they've never done weighted balls, they've never done some of these modalities that can have a dramatic impact. Now because they've been 87 to 90 the last three or four years um, or they've lost some life on their ball, they're like, hey, I'm wide open now. Then they take the off season and really get after it. So without going on for too long here, I'd say that, number one, I think the adjustments are actually – not that they don't take a lot of work, but I actually think it's not that complicated. And two, I think it just comes down to players that have done something. I mean, I'm looking. If you look at all these names—Eric Thames, Ryan Zimmerman, Justin Smoke, Jason Vargas—you know, these are guys. Mike Leake—they've been around the game a long time, including their minor league years, right? So, um, I think they've probably all have come to a point where they've either met with someone, talked to someone, tried something different. And I think it is, to answer your second question, I think it is very sustainable sustainable as well.
0: So what makes a difference? Because it just seems like so much more often than not when we see a player at this stage of his career uh, where he'll go on like this, you know, maybe for a month, maybe even this long, you know, close to two months. And then at some point something happens, an injury or just for no apparent reason, that player Reverts back to exactly who he was previously. So, how would you account? And I realize it's hard, tough to do this, you know, with a broad brush, but how would you account for the players that keep going with the improvement and those who, who you know, regress back?
1: Uh, it's pre- to me, it's also pretty simple and straightforward. Um, again, let's say from 14 to 24 years old, that's 10 years, you've been programmed a certain way. Let's call that your default. You've defaulted to how, and that has been good because you've been a player that's made it to major leagues. So your default is not a bad thing. You've trained a certain way. You've gotten to a certain point. Now let's say from 24 to 28, it's not working very well or as well. Um, so now you go through that phase. Now you tweak it, and now for a month or two, you're having a lot of success because you tweak it. Well, the, the, the tricky part, the tricky part is this. You've started to change your default to this new normal, so we'll call it your new default. But your old programming has a lot of history, <laughs> so yeah. if you aren't, aren't able to sustain or trust the new process and and really ingrain the new process, maybe get past certain thresholds with the new process, then yes, your your old programming, um, the default, so to speak, of your old programming. Uh, is not theoretically very far away until you continue to really ingrain this new default. Makes
0: sense? Makes absolute sense. Well, Al, we're just about out of time here, and there's a couple other topics (laughs) I want to broach with you. We've had some interesting discussions about throwing the change up. Uh, I know you've got some really interesting insights on how organizations train players, so I hope you'll come back and talk about those things with us real soon.
1: I will. Real quick shout out to Nate Yasky up at Oregon State, buddy.
0: All right, excellent. Well, at thanks David for having George me on, Al. Jager. Great having thanks you. Thanks for having me on. All thanks. right, fan rack fantasy baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. Music just keeps getting better on the show, don't you think? Uh, anyway. Big, big thanks to Alan Jaeger for joining us last segment. Uh, Alan Jager from Jager Sports, and I will definitely have him back on probably within the next couple of weeks. We actually just got to just a fraction of the things that uh, we had planned to talk about. Um, and I want to unpack some of the things that Alan actually did say, but there's a lot to get to. Uh, first of all, starting with a quick word about the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincotta on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in your car, or Greg Sussman on the subway, or just relax with the King on the couch or Jake Seeley when you're out jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the fantasy sports radio app for free right now in the iTunes store or on Google play and take the experts with you. Okay. Lots of news. We didn't even get to in the first segment. So playing a little bit of catch up here. Um, one of the bigger items from last night, you typically we, we focus on, you know, lineup changes and injuries and things like that. But I don't want to gloss over the fact that Edwin Diaz got the save for the Mariners. Uh, yesterday against the Nationals. So that was a very, very quick little uh, sabbatical for Edwin Diaz from the, the closers' role. I figured he'd be back as much for him just being outstanding last season and having a great skill set as for there not being great shutdown options for the rest of that bullpen. Because Steve Csiak hasn't been back long, uh, you know, has struggled uh, in the times that he's come back. You know, I like Nick Vincent well enough, um, but, you know, not just not sure how he would do in the closing role and, you know, could potentially have some home run issues. So Diaz just just seems like the best option out of that group. And apparently Scott Service agrees, and got him right back there in the ninth inning uh, after a, a short, short time out from being the the Mariners closer. Now getting back to some things affecting uh, today's games, J- Jacob DeGrom has had his start pushed back a day due to uh, weather yesterday. So um, he'll be, uh, he's scheduled to start today for the Mets. He was supposed to start yesterday. And then for today's games, Kendall Graveman is has been scratched. And I have not seen any reason why, but um Sean Mania is going to start for the A's. And for tomorrow, uh, this is from Joe Stiglich of NBC Sports California. He's reporting that Gerald Cotton may be called up to start for tomorrow. And Stiglich also reports that there is no update yet on Jesse Hahn, which seems odd because it's been a while since he was pulled from that start against the Marlins. That was on Tuesday, I believe. So here we are Friday and still no word on what's going on with Jesse Hahn. Which, in a way, I would take as is, is sort of good news because I thought that, you know, that would definitely be a DL stint for him. And given how long it's taking the A's to make a decision, it looks like it's it's more of a borderline call. Uh, let's see here. Cameron Maben left the Angels game on Thursday early with the sore right knee. I don't think there is an. Uh, you just take a quick look here. Nope. No lineup yet for the Angels at the Marlins. The Marlins lineup is out. As I mentioned before, Christian Yelich back in there playing center field and batting third. So um, no word yet on Cameron Maven's status. I would assume, at least for now, that that is day-to-day. There was a scheduled doubleheader today between the Tigers and the White Sox. Already the first game of that doubleheader has been rained out. So no word yet. I mean, this just happened a few minutes ago. So there's no word yet in terms of what those two teams are going to do with their rotations going forward. And back with more lineup news, uh, both Daniel Murphy and Ryan Zimmerman are out of the starting lineup for the Nationals. So you've got Adam Lind getting the start at first base against Luis Perdomo for the Padres. And uh, let's see. And then for Daniel Murphy, you got uh, Wilmer Defoe at second base batting, batting eighth. Um, Also for the Phillies lineup, they are playing the Reds. No Reds lineup yet today, but this is Tim Edelman versus Aaron Nola. No Cesar Hernandez in the lineup for them. So you've got Andres Blanco batting second, playing second. And I have to assume, I have not seen anything else about Hernandez. I have to assume this is just a day off for him. So, uh, you know, nothing, nothing there. But I think that gets us all caught up on news. Now, I did mention a weather tidbit that that first game, of the, uh, uh, pardon me, the Tigers White Sox uh, doubleheader has already been postponed, but that second game uh, that is scheduled for an 8:40 Eastern start at uh, I was almost almost going to say U.S. Cellular Field, but it's now Guaranteed Rate Field. But I'm not sure that they can guarantee they're going to get that one in. The precipitation chance at game time actually does it does go down dramatically between 8 o'clock and 9 o'clock Eastern. Uh, from 65% down to 24%. So I would think they're going to get that one in. But you want to keep an eye on that for daily purposes because, I, again, I have no idea who the uh, starting pitchers may be for that one. So uh, that's just one. Again, if we get more information here during the show, I will pass that on. Otherwise, weather-wise, and again, this is, as always, courtesy of Roto-Grinders and Chief Meteorologist Kevin Roth. No other games look like they're in any kind of major threat of having a delay or cancellation. So that's the one that you really got to watch there. All righty. So I do want to, as I said, unpack a little bit of the previous segment with Alan Jaeger. Uh, And, and, you know, I mean, there's some, Near term implications fantasy wise. You know, for example, on yesterday's show when I had Nando DeFino on, we talked quite a bit about Mike Leek, who's really you know, he's had great stretches before. I've almost always dismissed them because of just who he is. Uh somebody who, you know, relative to other pitchers, pitches to contact, has had very good control the last few seasons, but um hasn't always been great at avoiding extra base hits, despite the fact that he's been a career long ground ball pitcher so he's been fairly consistent in his tendency so he's exactly the type of player i wanted to talk to alan about and you know from, from an informational standpoint what alan said i thought was really helpful but from a fantasy standpoint i think you know we still have to kind of figure out what it means because basically what alan's saying is that you know uh we shouldn't just write off a player In mid-career, when they show a sudden change, a sudden improvement like like Leak, like Charlie Morton, like Jason Vargas, or, you know, in terms of hitters, you know, we talked about Eric Thames. Um, Because, you know, it is, I mean, sure, physically you can't do things, but there's so much of the mental game that gets um, underappreciated, I think, and underestimated. Even more importantly, I think the mental game really, really gets underestimated. And that's why, you know, Alan's a really great guy to talk to about that, because he's he spent decades working with and studying that that sort of thing. And so basically what he said, just to recap, or maybe you even missed that last segment, is that the actual taking on of that new change, you know, what with Jason Vargas's uh, release point, you know, with Eric Thames uh, and the changes that he's made, Ryan Zimmerman with the change in, in his swing plane. You know, Al says that's not really that hard to do. It's it's really much more of a mental thing than a physical thing. And once a player can get over that hurdle, and particularly if they're sufficiently motivated, like we talked about with Mike Leak on yesterday's show, he's really motivated. and He had this, what he calls this epiphany. Um, so once a player gets to that point, there isn't any particular reason. Why they can't sustain it, even if they're thirty-ish, you know, whether it's one or two sides, you know, on the south side or the north side of thirty. There's no particular reason why they can't do it. Maybe you know, if you could come up with a physical reason, but again, the mental part of the game gets underappreciated. So I think if there's a takeaway for fantasy purposes from that conversation, um, you know, it, it's I think we need to give guys like like Vargas a little bit of a longer leash, particularly if they've demonstrated it over more than two or three starts. Uh, And I'm surprised that, you know, here we are rolling into Memorial day weekend, rolling into close to a third of the season already in the books. And I still see things on social media, you know, for people in the industry, Uh, you know, really, really doubtful that Jason Vargas is a better pitcher this year than he's been in the past. And, uh, I I'm starting to kind of change my tune on that because I was definitely a part of that chorus for a long, long time. Um, but I think if we're, you know, we're very, very amenable to giving young players and especially prospects, the, um, the benefit of the doubt when they get off to a great start, you know, whether it's like Cody, uh, Cody Bellinger this year, you know, it's the first name that pops into my head, but, uh, you know, it's a confirmation bias. They come out, you know, they're one of the top ten prospects of the game. They come out, and then they do amazing things. It's like, oh yeah, this is, you know, this is a guy we need to pick up and and keep in lineup for the foreseeable future. I think we need to give more of that kind of benefit of the doubt to the Jason Vargas's and and Nathan Carnes of the world, who for a much longer period demonstrate a much better level of performance than we expected, and a level we can use in a ten or a twelve team mixed league. Um, and and give them some benefit of the doubt. And before we go to break, I want to relay a a story just from my own experience. Uh, I don't know that I'll get this all into the break, so I may have to continue this. But I had the the good fortune of talking to Chris Tillman uh, a few years back when he was on like a month-long stretch where he was just out of his mind. Uh, Did not look like the same pitcher at all. Fantastic. And so I was able to talk to him kind of in the middle of that streak, and I had a whole bunch of theories about what had changed for them. And he validated all of those theories that, yeah, you know, I've, I've started throwing the sinker more and I've changed my grip and, and, and I um, moved to the other side of the rubber. And, and he had a great crystal clear explanation for all the things that he was doing better. And so I was totally bought in and picked him up at a bunch of leagues. And then he hurt his ankle. It came back and was not that pitcher anymore. So there's a, a interesting ending to this story. So we're going to come back from break, talk a little bit more about Chris Tillman circa, I think it was 2014, and uh, come back to 2017, talk about some standout performances. So stick around. I'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host. Al and uh, as promised before the break, uh, I want to finish a little story. I'm telling you about Chris Tillman, and I promise there's a point and a point that matters to your fantasy baseball decisions. But before that, you also need to know about the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package. It's your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. You can become a waiver wire wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They will help you set the ideal lineups every single week. And this season, you'll also get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of your standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout for a special discount. Alrighty. so I'll wrap this up real quick because I know we got uh, you know player analysis to get to from yesterday's games. But so I had that conversation with Chris Tillman where he was going really, really well for uh, a few weeks uh, back. I think it was three seasons ago, and um, you know he gave me all these reasons, and they were reasons that just you know confirmed you know theories I had about why he was doing so much better. And then very shortly after that, he went on the DL with an ankle injury and came back and, and was you know, pretty much the same old Chris Tillman that we had known for years before that. And I, I you know, I've puzzled over that ever since. And so I, I relate, related the story to our guest from earlier today, Alan Jager, And he's like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, so, you know, he made all these changes in terms of moving to the other side of the rubber and, you know, changing up his arsenal and so forth. And he started having success. So he attributed to that and he had an explanation for the success. So, you know, he had this kind of comfort zone with these changes that he made. And then he comes back from the injury and has a bad start or two, and he no longer has the belief in those things that he thought were causing him to have greater success. So, again, Allen's theory on it was it's the mental part of the game. It wasn't the physical stuff he was doing. It was the coincidence of doing the physical stuff with the success that then in his mind created an association. I had never thought of that before. and I mean again, it's it's a theory. maybe if I went back and talked to Chris still a bit, he could offer you know some evidence or some proof, but uh, it just it kind of blew my mind. So just you know again, to kind of put a bow on this and move forward into some other players that when you see somebody who you know goes along for a while, particularly somebody who's been around for a while and then they become this different player, and then all of a sudden they go back to who they were before. You know, it, it very much could be a mental thing. Um, and you just can't predict that. You just can't predict that. So it's really, it's, it's no more or less risky. I think to take a, you know, a gamble on a player uh, who's been around for a while, but is playing like a different player than literally taking a gamble on somebody who's new to the major leagues or relatively inexperienced. Um, I'm really coming to that way of thinking Anyway, Enough about that, you know, we'll certainly revisit it uh, at a later time. But lots of interesting standout performances from Thursday's games. Uh, Kenta Maeda, I wouldn't say a standout performance, but this is just an interesting situation with the Dodgers now. Kenta Maeda comes off the DL and has an okay start. Five Makes it five innings, but you know, Maeda's never... Been consistently somebody who goes deep into games, but five innings, three runs allowed on seven hits and two walks, four strikeouts against the Cardinals. So yeah, you know, if you started him, you'll you know you'll take it, but you're not thrilled. Uh, but then Hunjin Ryu comes in in the sixth inning, and he pitches four scoreless innings in relief. Now I maybe some things have come across in the last hour or two that I haven't seen in terms of the Dodgers' rotation plans, but at least as of you know this morning, early this afternoon. I did not see anything in terms of whether or not Hunjin Ryu is staying in the Dodgers bullpen. In fact, I had a little brief conversation with my fan, Rag Sports colleague, Greg Jewett, about this earlier today. Uh, And it it makes it very, very difficult to, you know, in terms of looking at matchups and things, really figure out what the Dodgers rotation is going to look like uh, ahead. But, um, you know, I guess, you know, one thing is is back. And so I think he's, you know, he's back to, even though this wasn't the greatest start, you know, we do typically give uh, players a little bit of benefit of the doubt when they come off the DL. I think Maeda deserves that, and he was going well beforehand. And uh, for Hunjin Ryu, I don't know. You know, in some ways, I think maybe as a reliever, maybe he'd, he'd have a little more value, uh, at least in a, you know maybe a, a shallower league, like a, a head-to-head league where he could be used as a spark, if, if you know, kind of the Chris Davinsky role. I don't know. This is utter conjecture and, and probably utterly silly of me <laughs> to conjecture about it after one game. Uh, you know, It's just an interesting situation. But uh, getting to some performances, maybe we can be a little more certain about what they mean. Robbie Ray, uh, he's hard to figure out, no doubt. But uh, against a team that has done very well against lefties, the Brewers at Miller Park. Granted, whether this is going to be at Miller Park or Chase Field, that's not a great venue. And Robbie Ray uh, aced the start. Seven scoreless innings, only two hits, no walks. You love seeing that from Robbie Ray. And the 9Ks, well, even in a bad start, 9Ks and seven innings wouldn't shock you from Robbie Ray. But the whole line there looks good. And even as good as that line is, I think Ray still needs to develop a little bit more consistency for me to trust him week in, week out. But it sure is nice to see that he is capable of this with a, a tough matchup in a tough venue. That uh, andres also had a very nice start. He went eight innings, did not give up a run against the angels allowing six hits and two walks with five strikeouts. And I don't, you know, it's, it's a nice start. I don't read too much into that as a value changer for Andrees. I don't think that the angels they're, they're, uh, I think in some ways, a, a much better matchup than they were, say a year ago, or I should, I think what I mean to say is a tougher matchup. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I it wouldn't shock me to see Andrees do that against a lot of teams. I think he's capable of it. But I also just think that overall, sort of like with Robbie Ray, I, I need to see a lot more to view Andrees as somebody that I would trust every single week. Now, the standout performance that for me probably spoke the loudest was Tyler Anderson's. I was really, really kind of on the fence about this one because I know I've talked about Anderson a lot this season and especially once we got a couple weeks into the season and we could see this different version of him that I wasn't, it was new, but I wasn't sure it was improved because he's getting so many more swings and misses this year. But early on, he was also allowing a lot of extra base hits, a lot of fly balls. Uh, In the month of May, now Anderson has a 59% ground ball rate. So I, you may recall, if you've been listening to this show regularly, you may recall that probably about a month ago, maybe a little longer than a month ago, I said, if only Tyler Anderson could take the high whiff rate from this season and marry it with the high ground ball rate from last season, this guy's going to be an absolute stud. That is what Tyler Anderson has done the past month. Um, and he did it again against the Phillies. So seven innings, one run allowed on six hits and two walks, seven Ks. And... You may not see the Phillies as a formidable opponent. Overall, the team batting numbers are not that great. But particularly against lefties, a lot of power. An ISO, I think, over 200. And if it's not still over 200, after this start, it may not be. (laughs) But it's still probably very close. Uh, So the Phillies have been a a pretty good opponent, particularly against a a pitcher that you might have concerns about home runs and extra base hits with. Uh, and, And Anderson pretty much dominated them. So I wouldn't say that that start on its own is a game changer for Tyler Anderson, but it's uh, you know it's certainly a, another you know brick in the foundation, and gives me a lot more confidence. And he's got outstanding matchups in a two-start week, in week nine. Uh, Tyler Anderson he gets the Mariners, who are one of the very worst teams in the majors this year against left-handed starters, and then he gets the the Padres at Petco Park. Man, you got to get him. Uh, he's widely available, CBS, ESPN, Yahoo. Anderson is widely available. He's been great for a month now. He's been getting whiffs all season long, and he's got two fantastic matchups in Week 9. So enough about Tyler Anderson. Uh, Vince Velasquez pitching for the Phillies in that game, an encouraging start. He got seven strikeouts, only one rock, only one run allowed, and if you have a concern about Velasquez still, just five innings. But maybe that's, you know, at his best, maybe that's who Velasquez is, is somebody who goes maybe five or six innings, but gives you a lot of strikeouts regardless of it being a short outing. And maybe maybe he's actually better than that, but it's certainly a step in the right direction for Vince Velasquez. Um, Jeff Samarja, good news and bad news. Uh, a nice start is the good news, a nice start against the Cubs, who are looking like the Cubs again. Went seven innings deep, so he's going deep every start, Jeff Samarja. Eight strikeouts, but here's the thing. One walk, there's the bad news. It's not terrible news, but his streak of not walking a batter ends. 154 consecutive batters without a walk. Almost a full month. Um, So fantastic performance from Jeff Samarja. I'll miss fouling that streak, though. But six hits, the one walk, three runs over seven innings, so... Even though it's not not been his best start in a while, still a very good start for Jeff Samarja. And Drew Pomeranz with a, an 11-strikeout performance against the Rangers. He went, again, maybe Velasquez-like, just six innings, but two runs on four hits and a walk. And again, 11 strikeouts for Drew Pomeranz. Rangers are also one of those teams that haven't really been all that good against lefties. So maybe you give the matchup a little bit of credit there. And I know that Pomerantz has been inconsistent. I know that he seems to be a almost constant injury risk. But uh, I also think he just doesn't get quite enough credit. Um, and he could certainly you know, help you a lot with strikeouts and, and kind of help you across the board when he's got a, a, a good matchup like that. So um, we've still got some hitters to get to. We have one more pitcher to get to. And I'll save him for, uh, for after the break because, uh, well, first of all, because we're a pond break and deserves maybe a little bit of a, more of a, a breakup. DeNelson Lamet, Major League debut. It was an impressive one. So stick around. We'll talk about him, a few hitters of note, and we'll wrap things up here. So stick around. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRack Fantasy Baseball. I am your host, Al Melchior, and uh, apparently I'm a karma chameleon now. All right. Well, anyways, wrapping up here, uh, just before the break, talked about some of the notable pitching performances from uh, Thursday's game. Uh, Thursday's games, rather. Uh, got one more that we want to talk about, uh, a few hitters of note, but actually, literally, right now, in the middle of that sentence, uh, I saw in my uh, Twitter feed, finally some news about Kendall Graveman. He has a return of the shoulder soreness that he experienced earlier this season. So that is the reason for the scratch. That is the reason for Sean Maniah getting bumped up to tonight. And uh, it has been confirmed that Jarrell Cotton will start in Maniah's place tomorrow. So a little bit more of an update there, but not good news for, uh, for Kendall Graveman. Uh, one more pitcher to talk, talk about on the show, and that is Denelson Lumet, who made his major league debut for the Padres on Thursday against the Mets in New York. And five inning start for Lumet with eight strikeouts, eight big strikeouts for Lumet and uh, just one run allowed. Uh, three hits, two walks. That's an awfully nice start. <laughs> we'll take it. Even if it's five innings, we will certainly take that from Denelson Lamette. I don't know how many people started him. I am guessing very, very few. Uh, I certainly uh, getting the first word of his potential call up, I think probably about three days ago, three, four days ago. Uh, I did not act on it. And in retrospect, bet on me because he's had a pretty nice season so far in the Pacific Coast League. Uh, Made eight starts with a 3.23 ERA and 11.5K per nine. Uh, Does have some control issues, but, uh, you know, the total package there looks pretty nice. So uh, Nelson Lamade is definitely somebody to be picking up, at least in the deeper leagues. And somebody I think all owners should be watching in future starts. A few hitters of note as we... uh, come close to wrapping things up here unfortunately there weren't a lot of real notable hitting performances so we can cram these in kind of quickly here but we definitely didn't need to uh touch on the fact that Xander Bogarts has a home run hooray his ho- first home run of the season two hit game against the Rangers that raises, raises his batting average up to 335 so I think even if Bogarts is like an eight to 10 home run guy you know, he still must start because he you know that batting average is legit or very close to it Chris Taylor with another big game, three for four with a double, played in center field to place the Jock Peterson. His batting average is now three forty four. So you know clearly, uh, Dave Roberts is looking for ways to to put Taylor's bat in the lineup, keep it in the lineup. Uh, so while we're not glad to see Jock Peterson on the DL, but uh, you know it, it op- provides an opportunity for Chris Taylor. Uh, so that that you know certainly pads his value going forward. And in that same Dodger game, Yasil Puig stole a base you know, six bases uh stolen bases on the season. So that's a part of his value I did not think much about this year. Uh Francisco Cervelli with a four-hit game. Uh, and he's only hitting 258, but big increases in his fly ball and hard contact rates, so he might be a beneficiary of the fly ball revolution. And last player to make note of Rio Ruiz has been played third base for the Braves in place of Adonis Garcia. He may continue to do that, at least in a platoon facility. Uh, when Garcia comes back, he's hitting 320 now. So Ruiz is somebody to look at in those deeper leagues. So that is a very, very quick, concise hitter, standout hitter wrap-up from Thursday's games. So, uh, again, no uh, afternoon baseball today. That first game in the uh, doubleheader between the Tigers and White Sox has been rained out, but we should have a full slate tonight. So uh, enjoy that, and good luck in all your leagues tonight. I'll be back on Sunday with Jim Finch as my special guest from FanRag Sports. So have a great Friday, everybody. Enjoy your holiday weekend coming up, and I will see you again on Sunday. Take care.